Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wrist Cheese Radio Podcast, your place for horological hauntings, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. My name is Schmidt, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, my co-host. You guys know him. You love him. Mr. Brodinky. What's going on, bro? Had a pretty eventful day, my friend. Uh, I uh, took an, uh, an interview for a jobby, and in my line of work, that involves uh, some pretty crazy stuff at times so it was quite the day <laughs> okay I so i mean so what is like an interview for a, for a chef well all right so it depends what depends what level you're interviewing at but so i'm interviewing for a basically a, a director position so i go in it was about 9 30 or something and you know I, i've already been through a round of the formal interviewing stuff and then the you know this is more like a performance based one and so i have a few people who are going to be kind of judging me and you know you have one that is showing you around kind of giving you a lay of the land and then they're they hit you with like almost uh it's almost like an episode of chopped so they're gonna they're gonna give you some stuff okay they're gonna tell you what they want and then you're gonna have to provide that within a given time period now where this got hectic was one of the items was short rib short rib takes <laughs> short rib takes like two and a half three hours ish right this is braised right yes and i got there at 9 30 and had to be ready by 12 wow. so i had to do some real uh pushing on that front and keep in mind so that's three different items to make three different dishes for three people they all have to have different accompaniments and sauces and then also throw in a soup so (laughs) and you're in a place that's unfamiliar you don't know what they have tool wise yeah you don't even know what they're going to ask you to make right so it's it's very much just on the fly let's go type of thing so you kind of run through the pantry see what's there you run through the the walk in the freezer, see what's there. You check out their their tools, their equipment, mixers, blenders, and then you see what space you have to work with. You know, do you have burners? Do you have ovens? And right. it's 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 hectic, but <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> it's yeah. just to say, you know, there there was there were times where I'm like, I'm not gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. I'll be fine. I'm dead in the water. I don't know, you know. So all turned out okay. Everything went very swimmingly. Um, I think they've got one more person in tomorrow and then I'm going to find out. So that's cool. Uh, it's also cool cause it's, uh, it's got a bit better, uh, work life balance, I guess, as they say nowadays. So it'll be, it's a little bit more of like a 40 hour a week gig as opposed to yeah, the cool, insanity man. I'm used to. So <laughs> all good things. Uh, we'll yeah. see if that comes to fruition or not. How are things by you? Good, man. Everything's, uh, everything's all right. Had a little bit of family stuff going on. Got back from some travel late yesterday. Uh, getting ready for a trip out this next uh, next week. So on Monday, I'll be getting ready to to run off um, to another city, another state. So it'll be exciting, but uh, we'll be here recording. It'll be fun. Yeah. Before we hop into things, a little housekeeping. For those who have not seen the countless things I posted on social media, um, uh, our hosting provider cut six minutes off our last episode. 
Now I had yeah. to manually adjust that because apparently what happens is with with hosting platforms is they have software that detects where it, I guess it believes the end of the episode is and it might do that incorrectly and you can change that but you have to find that out for yourself. <laughs> so I did and I changed that and that's why it came back on Apple Podcasts and if you go on the Podbean site you can stream it straight from there. But for some reason I guess because the file name has not changed Spotify has not recognized it as an update so there is no update on Spotify. I don't know how to push that through. I guess I could play with it or something or I don't, I don't even know if it's if it's worth it at this point but that is why uh, the, the as somebody put it we had a uh, Sopranos ending last week. <laughs> we faded to black. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was like what? And then I was uh yes cuz I saw, as soon as I logged in I saw it said a minute 9 I was like no it was longer than that. So that's the reason for that, and it appears I'll be double and triple checking our hosting provider now. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And shout out to the homie, uh, one of our listeners who brought it to our attention. Yes, as yes, well. Thanks. So thank you. You know who you are. Yeah. So appreciate live and the, learn. Appreciate the the feedback. Live and learn. This this podcasting and technology stuff is uh, quite the handful at times. <laughs> In other news, I on a whim decided I was going to go check out District Time this weekend. Oh yeah, down, down how was in that? DC. It, it's coming up. It's on the fourth and fifth. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna go head down there, and I believe three people we've had on our podcast are gonna be there, as far as brands go, which is funny oh, enough. Sweet. Yeah. So we, uh, I know Lasable will be there. I know Foster will be there, and I know Haim will be there. Oh no so way! Awesome. Be, be cool to chum it up with those folks. Yeah. Anybody going? Stop and say hi. Well, I guess by then it'll be over. So hopefully, you stop and said hi. <laughs> i'll do a little recap i guess next week but it's, it's cool it's like a micro brand show i think it's it's put on by sal baltimore i, okay. I know i've heard of the brand i've never really experienced much of their watches i, I don't i'm not really that familiar with them but i guess that's kind of the cool part is get be hands-on with some stuff you don't really see meet mm-hmm, some people mm-hmm. um and uh yeah and also my wife is making me take her so this is gonna be pretty strange whoa <laughs> Well, I'll put it this way. Yeah, so check it out, right? Um, you know, I go to things like I'll go to a red bar meetup, I'll go to wind up, I I go I go off to meet random people in New York City all the time, right? When you come mm-hmm. here, when anybody's here, right? Akbar from La Sablier, whoever, people are always like, Oh, I'm in New York City, you want to hang out? Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. like, I guess so, yeah, right. And I just hop on the train, I go go meet them. You gotta imagine as my wife, it's a strange phenomenon. Yeah. So she's like, I want to know what this secret society you belong to is all about. And I'm like, okay, it's nothing that exciting. And you're probably going to be very confused, but all right. Hey, be careful what you wish for, right? That's exactly it. So <laughs> I don't hey, know. Maybe, I... maybe she, maybe this is the impetus to finally get her hooked. Yeah. I don't know if I want that. <laughs> <laughs> Like, ah, oh, my watch budget now is split in two. Well, not this only that, but I, I don't need somebody knowing the exact value of everything I bring into my uh my collection here. I, right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it is your wife, right? Yes, but uh, you know, I this is this is kind of my thing. You know, you yeah, as yeah, George yeah, Costanza says, you have to keep your world separate. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. We're going to check it out. We're going to make a little weekend out of it. Go down to D.C., hang out, see some people, see some watches. Leave the kids with the with my mom. So 
Nice, nice, nice. Yes. Um, let's go into the new stuff. Some interesting things, very uh, kind of off-the-cuff stuff this week. We've got a drop from Benris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got a pretty mm-hmm. funny name. It's called the Orbit <laughs> Robot. Yeah. And it's a callback to a 1970s edition of a watch they had. And Same name. Yeah, and it's it's a cushion case diver. It's very 70s looking. <laughs> yeah, to- totally skin diver aesthetic. Gray, gray Fume style dial. So it starts out kind of that light gray, gets darker towards the periphery. Beautifully orange, blocky skin diver hands. Very nice. I love it. I love it. Great color combination. Steel bezel. Steel bezel's nice. Too. Um, which I think is very cool. It, it's a little bit chunky, I think, thickness wise, from what I saw in the photos. But I think it's I think it's cool. Just case height 13 mils. That's not horrible. Is it really 13? It's what it says here. It looks it looks so fat on the photo, but again, you know, it's a that's a rendering photo or where somebody's shot. On yeah, the and, side, and these so. cases always look a little chonky because they're kind yeah. of cushiony and it's uh yeah, it's a cool watch though. And it comes with a Soprod P O twenty four, which is commonly found in today's Zodiacs and things like that. So mm-hmm. you know, another one of those uh edit type clone jobbies. But overall, will- a cool watch. Yeah, Very totally. Cool. I, I I dig it. You know how we are with skin divers. You and I both like them, especially cushion case stuff from the seventies. Oh yeah. Um, my favorite thing though is the case back. It's I literally just an, saw that. it's literally a robot orbiting around Earth. <laughs> it's so weird, but uh, it's uh, it's very cool. And I think I think the homie uh from Strap Habit actually wrote an article about this. Oh, very for, nice. Uh, for a block to watch. Very nice. That's actually really cool. Yeah. So I read his article. I was like, oh, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, very cool release overall. Uh, next up, we'll go to one that's been on our minds quite a lot, you and I. Uh, Hamilton dropped the Jazzmaster Performer line, and this comes in a few different motifs here. There's sort of a steel sporty model that's kind of reminiscent of the Aquaterra Oyster Perpetual line. Mm-hmm. And then there's something that we have bounced back and forth on our nickname for. It's a chronograph. It very much, if you squinted your eyes, resembles a Daytona. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like Haytona. You like Hamiltona? Yeah, I like the Hamiltona. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty cool drops overall here. The so the sports models comes in 34. They come in, sorry, 34 and 38. Mm-hmm. A few different dial variations, blue, black. There's a mother of pearl. There's a white. Um, you can get even a rose gold tone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But they're cool. They're under 12 millimeters thick, so they're they're nice and kind of svelte. And you're getting that 80-hour power reserve Hamilton movement in there, 100-meter water resistance. And they're $995, so really not a bad price point at all. Yeah, the chrono the chrono is obviously a lot more. Um, I think it's right around the the two thousand e price point. But I mean, again, it's a chrono. But uh, yeah, I mean, cool watches. I think it's you know for me, I think this is a fresh take on the Jazzmaster. Typically, the Jazzmaster feels very sporty and very like classically dressy and all that stuff, which I get. It's literally in the name. But I think this is a nice step to give people more of an everyday piece especially at this price point i mean i think that's kind of the big challenge from from every brand i mean we said it last week you know that's the big challenge i want to see from grand seiko when they drop some new product here shortly i think this is this is a way to do it right 
And it's funny, it's like some of the bezels on here, they kind of remind me of like the Grand Seiko like GMT bezels, you know, like some of that. That and the, the Seiko 5 bezels. The yeah. some very small Seiko 5s that have that sort of thin steel bezel on them. I yeah. thought the same exact thing. It's I mean, again, it's not it's not my favorite choice of style because I would I would appreciate for me more like a smooth no no numeral bezel but okay. i think it works here for this design i think it's very cool and you can definitely tell it's inspired by other things that are very popular so um i think overall it's a pretty good home run for hamilton so we'll see yeah these do code the chronographs do come in a little thick they're 15 mils but i think that's kind of on par for hamilton chronos like if you look yeah. at the intramatic autos and stuff i think they're they're pretty thick did you see this one it's gold and it's a panda yes that's pretty slick. It's it's very good looking. I'm not gonna lie. It's like a golden. It's a golden panda with a black bezel, and it's a white. It's a white dial panda with you know black sub dials. It it looks really good. I'm not gonna lie. And I would say of the steel models, my favorite is the black, because it has the black bezel. It it just. Obviously, you know, you can only do so many chronographs before they start looking different. But I think this is a very, very good looking watch. Did you know there were over 200 Jazz Masters? I did not, but I'm not surprised. That, I thought that was an interesting tidbit that I read. I think I think there's a lot in the collection because I think a lot of them are older models that they, for some reason, just keep producing. <laughs> I've noticed that from Hamilton, like... I know for a fact like there's models that are discontinued or that they're that they're not really in production anymore, but they're still listed and still available to purchase. It's kind of weird. You know, like how many khakis are there? A lot. You know, like and then how many khaki fields are there? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there's so many. Yeah, there's khaki fields, khaki pilots. Yeah, khaki navy scubas. Yes. Like there's a lot. Yes. Of, I mean, like it's a whole it's a whole time. But even within that, right, you got like the khaki khaki field murph and then you get the khaki field 38 and then you get the khaki field w10 and like it's just all these different models that are like then khaki field titanium khaki field black dlc yes it's, it's crazy there's a lot so that's that's why I, I constantly find models that i never knew existed and i'm like oh this is neat <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do yeah so sort of along that same line good transition here uh timex put out another marlin Yes, there might Another be two Marlin. of those. <laughs> yeah, this but, one is uh, this one's funky though. This one's I, very different. This one, so this one is called the subdial, and it has a subdial twenty four hour time, yeah. sort of in between the center pinion and nine o'clock. Yeah, and it's a cushion case Marlin, a little bit off the Marlin beaten uh, path here. It literally but, has a Marlin on the case back as well, which I think is the first time we've seen that. Uh, I don't think the other Marlins had it. You got me, to be honest. I've, I don't think I've ever. I don't I've think seen so. Some Marlins. I don't know about all Marlins. I know some of the like the vintage, like original pieces. They did on some of them, but I think all of the more like notoriety notoriety Marlins that we have received recently, I don't think they they did because I don't think the vin the vintage manual one had. I think it just had a, a a closed steel case back, and I think the automatic one had the exhibition case back, didn't it? So you can see the movement. Yes. So I think this is the first one because this one has basically a partially closed but also somewhat open case back because there's basically like a little window over the top of the movement at 6 o'clock and then you have the Marlin inscription above that on the back of the case back. 
Yeah, and kind of the quirkiest part about this is that it has like cobalt blue hands. Yeah. And then a red sub second hand or yeah. sub, sub dial hand. It's not sub seconds, sub dial hand. I mean, but it's cool. I mean, 39 millimeters. It's not a bad size. No, it's a good size. It's a funky watch. It's a fun little watch. You know, this is going to, it comes in like, what, 269 So you're probably not yeah, going to pay 269 bucks. Probably not even going to pay 269 So. Just wait for it to go on sale. Get that, yes. Get that first purchase. Uh, get it on 20% the twenty uh, percent or ten percent, whatever it is. Get it on the St. Patrick's Day sale when it comes. Yeah, up exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, basically three different versions. Uh, one's a black dial on black strap, uh, and then the other two are going to be the same color dial. It looks like, which is like a silvery white color. One will be on a blue leather strap. The other one will be on a brown leather strap. Um, same configuration so but cool looking watch i do like it it's very funky very 70s late 60s early 70s um oh look at that get 15 percent off your first purchase so there you go ladies and gentlemen if you have not purchased from timex apply that wonderful 15 percent and get your marlin at 269 dollars retail 15 percent off yeah be careful though they do a lot of exclusions every time yeah. they put up a like a site wide, I go look and it's always like site wide minus some models. It's always the ones I want, obviously. <laughs> it's always the ones that are desirable. Yes. It's like so, here, here's an easy. So video. no chrono, no GMT Q, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, no, no peanuts, uh, Marlin. Yeah, well, I mean, they gotta they gotta pay for the for that uh that endorsement somehow, right? Yeah. That collaboration somehow. Uh, to a so this is a watch we actually brought up in an early episode. I think it was, I think it was when we were looking for watches that were like sleepers that brands have that don't really get a lot of shine. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to say I had Certina, but anyway, they dropped a DS2 in an ocean conservation model, and it's yeah. honestly really cool. And specs wise, it's pretty neat, it's 41 millimeter. This is like the third cushion case watch we have on the show today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but another another seventy skin diver. Yeah, but eleven point seven thick. That's not bad for a two hundred meter diver. Hell no. With a Powermatic eighty in it, that's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. And very, it's got very nice. a very sort of aggressive bezel. It honestly, kind of looks like the if there was a Certina FXD, this kind of looks like it. <laughs> Well, and you know what's interesting? This is also, we didn't mention this, but this is also a watch equipped equipped with ETA's new Nevacron hairspring. So this is basically a titanium-based alloy hairspring that now ETA and all the Swatch Group brands are putting into their lower price segment watches. So basically what it does is allows titanium to be used to make it anti-magnetic and get more anti-magnetic properties on the hairspring. So it's not silicone, but it's a way that these lower tier brands that are smaller in scale and smaller in price point can deliver anti-magnetic protection in their watches without going crazy expensive with something like silicone. Yeah, and it looks like there are two steel models, and the one I'm talking about is titanium, titanium. which is also kind of nice, coming so in around a thousand bucks. Yeah, Very and it's cool. got a, a real cool color motif. Um, Barry Florida Marlins 1990s, yeah, black this, silver teal. Yep, yep. It's so. uh, it's 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 a very cool color palette, very cool watch. Comes on a NATO, it looks like, 
I think the other versions are steel and they come on bracelets, yes. but this one comes on NATO. But I think it's very cool. This would be a very fun watch for for summer. So not too expensive. Um, very nice pop of color, great movement, great brand, you know, diver. So what more could you ask for? And it's titanium. So there you go. Yeah, that's that's a that's a sneaky watch. I'm liking that a lot, to be honest. <laughs> um, the rest of these I'm just gonna go through rapid fire because I want to get to topic. Uh, PRX has a blue panda chrono now, kind of yep. neat. You know, everybody kind of uh, PRX is a little bit of a darling amongst collectors these days. So PRX chrono, I haven't really checked one out in person yet, but not only do they have the the uh, panda, now you got blue panda. So yeah, all good. Uh, Unimatic Cartman. Nah. Was this next? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What are they thinking? I have no idea. What? My have the mighty have fallen. The tail end of don't get me wrong. Uh, South Park is a classic show. I loved South Park growing up. Obviously, South Park is a was probably a big influence on my ability to make satire. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But you're at the tail end of their run, basically, and now you're going to put out a a Cartman themed watch. I mean, you know, look. I don't want to admit this, but I really feel like Unimatic is quickly becoming like the collab watch company. Like all they do is collab. Like that's it. Every got a, Unimatic. Got a few of I've those, seen, my friend. Yeah, yeah there, there's <laughs> so many. They're all collabs. It's like collab this, collab that, collab this, collab that. And I'm like, dude. And then look, it's one thing to collab. It's another thing to like pick your collaboration partners. Like, did you really need to do South Park? I mean, Look, somebody's gonna buy it, you know, whatever. It's gonna There's sell. There's only a hundred, so they're probably all on eBay. Yeah, I mean I just think one, I just think it's a bad design. Like South Park Association or not, I just think it's a bad design. But that's just me. I don't like I don't like the way it looks at all. I also think it's completely stupid. Better or worse than the the poo pneumatic? Your meme was better. <laughs> I think it was way better. It actually made sense. This one doesn't make sense. I always like the people. How much? Where can I buy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in other news, uh, Richard Mille is making women's sports models now. Yep. So in their cool. kind of hype wear aesthetic that everybody knows and loves, allegedly, um, they're making women's models and they're kind of putting them on a bunch of athletes and they're in fun colors and I don't know if that's news or not, but yeah, I, I didn't think their watches were overly masculine. I mean, they're kind of honking, but I mean, they're big watches for sure, but that's kind of what you're paying there's for. No, there's no question about it, but you know, for a lot of people, like it's, it's the idea of the flex piece and all that stuff. So, I mean, whatever. Um, I, I think it's good. I know that they, and this is the thing that was tripping me out. They're like, oh, finally, they're making watches for women. I was like, I don't think that that's the case. I think they've always made watches for women, at least in recent history. But now I feel like they're making sports watches for women. And I think that's the difference because they have like jewelry pieces and, you know, there's like woven golden bracelet versions of Richard Mills. Like they, they've had women's pieces before. I just think that this is now the first time that we're getting a dedicated sports watch line for the women, which I think is a different uh, different step for them. And I'll be honest, just looking at them without looking at anything else, they 
you, you could have fooled me. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known maybe just the watermelon colored one. I would have been like, Oh, that's a woman's watch. Yeah. Yeah. Again, not that it matters, but. Eh. <laughs> I mean, again, it's just nothing that that's overly exciting for me personally, just because I can't afford it or even dream of affording it. So on to the next one. Yeah. And then last thing I got on my end is, I don't know if you saw, uh, did you see Yama put out two Superman GMTs? Yeah. I mean, they weren't really the green. Yes. They weren't too crazy. Um, the one that I'm actually more interested in is the, um, what is it? The, the wrist master. We talked about it before. Yeah. That's a neat Um, watch. Funny name. Neat watch. Yeah. That's the one I'm, I'm really kind of wanting to see. But yeah, I saw them. I think, I mean, again, I think that they're cool. The Superman, um, especially in GMT. So I think that would be cool to have. Yeah, it's a neat watch. And and just colors you don't generally get on a... No. You don't get really a, a red and white or a green and white on your GMT bezel, so... Yeah, and they, and it looks like they come on rubber strap or bracelet option. So um, it's very cool. Oh, and I guess what we missed about this... So I know that they did the the kind of first in-house caliber with the with the wristmaster. Remember they were doing like those different colored movements and everything like that. Yeah. I guess these GMTs are also in-house calibers. Oh, well, that's that's cool. Yeah, I, I'm just looking at the website right they're now. They're taking steps, you know. They're taking steps to getting all that done. So that's nice. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the Yama Superman World Time Automatique 500 meters. Yeah. Whoa. All right. Okay. I guess I missed this. I I saw them drop, but I guess I missed all the specs. 500 meters is quickly becoming like the The low end challenge threshold. Yeah. I've noticed that little by little, which is. So, 30. So, this is. They offer two sizes 39 and 41. Same price point at 1399 US. And it looks like it's the same price whether you get it on bracelet. Whether you get it on rubber or whether whether you get it on leather, no, can't hate that. No, you can't. And again, if it is truly a new in-house movement, I think that that's pretty cool. Yep. And on to our topic today. Uh, if you caught on our social media, uh, Uncle Schmitty wanted to put uh, a topic out for you all. <laughs> so he asked you for things you wanted us to talk about on the show. Some of you suggested topics some of you gave us questions and we're probably just gonna rip through them here so uh i guess uncle schmitty why don't we we tee these up all right do you want me to go down the list you want to go in the order we kind of talked about yeah i guess we'll do that that works okay so we'll just go through with some of the ones that we know we definitely want to cover uh first up and foremost um what is your dumbest watch opinion hill to die on Hmm. I have a lot of these. I know people certainly don't agree with the fact that I like smaller watches down to the 35, 34 range. I'm down for that. I like them. Those old vintage Omegas and things like that that are 35 millimeter Seamasters and stuff. I like it all. 34 millimeter Rangers. Give it to me. Um, And... I th- you know what I honestly I think probably my dumbest thing and I I really don't say it much but I, I think the reason I like or I've been 
really looking into vintage watches recently is just because I get tired of having stuff that other people have. Yeah. So I want to get something that's like not hard to find necessarily, but it exists, but nobody else is going to have it. And that's a stupid thing and a dumb way to collect, but like it's something that's kind of speaking to me at the moment. Yeah, but, but I mean, I that's, what's, I mean that's, that's why we that's why we got you know Seiko is coming from halfway around the world because we're also gonna be the like pretty much the only ones in the U.S. that I would know that are gonna have these watches. Well, that and somebody else. So one of our listeners DM'd in and was like, "Damn you!" Like he's got, th- <laughs> I think he's got three on the way. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. He did DM us. I was like, "Yo, was like, I gave in. I found three. And I'm getting them." I'm like, "Yeah, like we're gonna be the only ones." So Which, yeah, that's gonna be, that's gonna be cool though. But yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm finding the obscure to be attractive and i don't know yeah. if it's for the right reasons or wrong reasons i mean I, i'm not talking obscure in the like crazy rare stone dial rolex or something like that i'm talking obscure in like silly ways yeah i mean I, i'm the same way with you it's like we've talked about this so many times before on 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 the podcast and you know we like collecting things and we have kind of similar mindsets for how we approach collecting and to me, it's like, I don't want to have the same thing that everyone else does. Whether it's a small little independent micro or something very, you know, I mean, this watch costs really no money at all in the grand scheme of watch collecting, but it's just kind of cool to have something that like was only sold in one world market yeah. around the world. Like, and it's kind of a mistake that it's not sold everywhere else because this would be on everybody's wrist. Um, but I don't know. I just think it's cool to 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 just be different. I don't have to have a super rare watch for that to be the case. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I can draw up any more right now. I don't know. I'd also say maybe, yeah, probably another one that nobody would agree with is I just, it's not that I don't like digital watches. I just don't hold them in the same regard as watches with moving hands. And I don't know, Mm. something in my mind doesn't equate the two. Yeah. And again, the digital watch, does it do the job? Probably better, yeah. <laughs> but something in my mind prefers, even if I'm going to go there, prefers an Anna Digi as opposed to straight Digi. I yeah, I can't really explain it. Just in in the depth of my soul, you know, I'm not I'm not God tier Casioing things. I'm uh, it's yeah. just not me. It's just not my style. Yeah, no, totally. I you know, I know, I know that's a humble brag for a lot of people to show. That they have an expensive watch collection and then wear a Casio and they're like, look at me, I'm humble. <laughs> you know, like I get that, but I don't know. I I I own digital watches. I just don't I I don't equate the two, I guess I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I think I, those are those are some for me. I would say for me personally, I think the the there's two main ones for me is the guys who are absolutely obsessive about date windows. Like just move on. Like I, I, for me, it doesn't matter if it's at three or at six or at four thirty. Like, it's a freaking date. If you don't like it, don't buy it. You know, like the fact that people want to die on this hill. It's like, oh, they would completely ruin the entirety of the design because it's at four thirty. Like, okay, cool. Then don't buy it. Nobody's making you buy it. There's plenty of people that will buy it and enjoy it and have no qualms about the placement of the date. Um, so that's mine, first one. And then I guess if I were to do a second one, kind of the same type of vein, but the guys that get really persnickety about like straps that are different sizes now, like 19, 
21, 23. I'm like, you have it so much easier now than you ever did in history with the availability of straps and odd sizes. Yeah, like, let's I, be honest. Imagine owning something with, I mean, I know Rolex has 19s in their back catalog. Seiko has a lot of very popular 19s in their back catalog. Omega did as well. Yeah. They, those were pains in the neck to get an alternative strap for even 10 years ago. No, five years ago. Yeah, I'm trying to think of when those brand those those strap makers really broke out. It's probably about then. It, I would say it's probably been about five years. Yeah. Because you had, you know, first kind of, you know, brands like Crown and Buckle kind of started it with NATO. They did like different types of little NATO straps here and there. Then you had like your cheapest NATO straps and like kind of everyone started doing it. And now you have, you know, shout out to the homie Strap Habit who does like everything now. And he makes a lot of great options. Yeah. Barton bands, you know, like all of those dudes started doing those odd sizes. And it's like you have so many options now that if you're complaining about having odd lug sizes on a watch today, like, come on. It's just not it's not a thing anymore. All right. What else we got there? Okay. So this is a question that's directed directly to you, but I will ask it. Hey, bro, if Schmidt were a Rolex model, what would he be? All right. I've got a good one for you. This this would be an obscure model to collect. You're going to have to Google this one because it's a little wild. Google Rolex Zerograph. I've heard of this, but I have no idea what I'm looking at. So this is a chronograph with oh, no, yeah, no yeah, sub yeah, dials. Oh, yeah, 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 with a Cali dial. It's got a California dial, which I know is Schmidt approved. It's <laughs> a much so. chronograph with no sub dials. So you have to push the pusher. The, the second hand will reset to zero and start timing. Okay. The bezel then rotates to count minutes. <laughs> I love it. So this is super quirk. Is, I think, and I think the craziest part is, I think this was made in the 1930s. Yeah, it's def, it's definitely like a 30s, 40s pilot watch for sure. It's just a very crazy looking watch. It's got subtle traditional Rolex cues that you think of, but it's very off the wall, and it's got a complication that we literally know for having subdials and has zero. <laughs> it's just it's it's. It's a Rolex, but it's completely off the reservation. It's, and I, it's, it's completely the anti-Rolex. Right. And so if I were to pick one, <laughs> I think I've nailed it with this one. I love it. I love it. I really do. This is... Uh, <laughs> this and go is check so this cool. out. If you guys have ever seen this, Rolex Zero Graph. And it's it's G-R-A-P-H-E. There is an E at the end. It's the Rolex reference 3346. So you have a black dial... Mercedes hand. I, I, you know, I always loved the old handset for Rolex when they used to do the kind of like Roman sword, yeah. uh, uh, minute hand where it used to get fatter towards the tip. I hate that they made it, you know, skinnier in the later. I just think it's so much more whimsical this way, but so cool. Very, very, so very. I cool. had to do some digging for that one, but I found it. Oh, I do love it. <laughs> it's like now I kind of want one, but I'll never be able to find one or afford one. Oh, hell no. Oh, man. That's crazy. The Oyster Zerograph. And it's in the name, too. It's like, yeah, you're not really measuring anything except for what we tell you. 
So then that's also interesting because that center seconds hand doesn't even do the time. No, it, it does. It only be for the chrono. It does do the time, but when you activate the pusher, it resets to zero and will start timing. Oh. Yeah, so it's like it does. So it's almost jumps. like a flyback. Uh, Yeah, a little bit. Wow. Interesting. So pretty neat. Especially I for that it. time, like from the 1930s, cranking out something like this. It's wild. I love it, dude. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. This makes this makes me happy. This makes me happy. Okay, so on that note, uh, one of our good friends and listeners decided to to DM us a, a comment since he missed out initially on the on the post. So uh, he says, and he reads, "Hello, man, stuntman Tom here. My question is for Schmitty. If he was going to dress up as a Rolex fanboy for Halloween, what reference would he wear?" What would his outfit look like, and what would some of his Instagram selfies be as a Rolex fanboy? Okay, thanks, and looking forward to this answer. Later. Ugh. Hmm. So there, I know what reference I would wear. There are two people. There are two people that come to mind when when he's asking about this question for me, and it's split between somebody wearing tweed. And somebody wearing like Supreme and Gucci streetwear. Okay. So I've got two people in mind here, right? Follow me. So I got a dude who's probably wearing like a Gucci t-shirt. He's probably, he's got like a pair of Jordans. He's probably wearing something Supreme. I'm going to give him a Milgauss. And he's <laughs> he's probably got a picture of him wearing it, drinking like a prime energy drink or something. But you know, if he was really, if he was really wearing something supreme, wouldn't he have the FM Rolex sub? I don't know if he's got, got that kind of bread. Mm. Usually, these dudes are kind of posery. I know. Well, I, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. <laughs> but I would. <sighs> okay, what's your next one? Then? So my other one is sort of the what you naturally think of: uh, somebody wearing tweed, horn rim glasses, uh, possibly a cardigan. And probably a Newman Daytona. I mean, realistically, that that's who I'm thinking of. Probably has a blog. <laughs> oh, you said Ben Cliver? That's, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't say that. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Let me say this. If I was going to dress up as a Rolex fanboy, I, I mean, I don't know what my costume would look like, but I do know I'd be wearing a 1655. It's a good pick. That watch has always been just low key gangster for me, and I and honestly, it's one of my favorite Rolex models ever made. I love it because, like we were just talking about, it's not the typical. It's a very atypical Rolex, even by modern standards. Sure, it's got the different handset, the big chunky orange uh, hand. It was only made for a small period of time, then promptly discontinued. You know, it's a very, very, very cool watch. And I know they get crazy expensive. I'll never be able to afford one. That was one of the watches that got away. That's a story for another time. But 1655 is certainly the one that I would would love. And I think somehow our good buddy Tom that proposed this question would probably give a tip of the hat to that. I think so. I think that's this very is up kind his of alley. this is kind of a watch that would be right up his alley. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. So this, this one actually comes, This one actually comes back later at some point, but um, but yeah, it's a good pick. And for those who don't know, sixteen fifty five. That's the Steve McQueen Explorer two. 
So if I was gonna guess, be a fanboy Rolex guy, I mean, maybe I dress up as Steve McQueen. I mean, what better guy to do that? Yeah, that's not a bad pick. I mean, he wore everything, right? He had he the Daytona, had the Submariner, had the sixteen fifty five. I mean, the guy wore everything. So I think that would be a cool Rolex fanboy to dress up as. There you go, Tom. Okay, <laughs> on something a little bit lighter. If you could give one watch to someone you hate and it had to be worn for an entire year, what would it be? I'll start with you, bro. This is tough for me. Because um, I I find the silver lining in a lot of watches and like, again, I, I want to make sure there are parameters in place here because if they can't, if they can't sell it and they can't take it off, you know, I'm tempted to give somebody something absolutely ridiculous, like like the gigantic Rolex Challenge Diver, because it's it's absolutely <laughs> hideous and it looks like a bubble, and it, it just has to be annoying as all hell to wear on your wrist. Yeah, now, yeah. if they could sell it, that sucks because now they're just profiting. I don't want that. In that case, I'm going to give them something like a Hello Kitty watch or something, but or maybe the maybe that hentai turbine watch okay. <laughs> i want you know what i want something with a really embarrassing complication that they're not going to see coming like the one with the like the what was like, that the was that a like jacob on, Cole, the one with the window that opened and then yes, there's the yes, two people yes. the, doing uh, the hibbity dibbity underneath yeah that's right yeah yeah but that, see, that one's crazy because you have to you have to initiate that you know it has to you have to yeah, i need one and... i need one that comes up it's like a cuckoo clock. It just yes. like every hour just opens up automatically. That's exactly what I need. I'm, that's what I'm looking for. Something embarrassing <laughs> in a cuckoo clock type deal. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna base this off on the premise that they can't sell it and they can't remove it. Um, so for me, I would give somebody a white dial Daytona. And the reason for that is because every single person on the planet will ask to buy their watch. For an entire year. Oh, that is pretty annoying. That or just beat them up. I mean, it's just because it's too it's too recognizable that literally every I have met so many people that owned white dial Daytona's that like I, I had to sell it because they people couldn't stop talking to me about it. It becomes to the point where it's like it's annoying that everybody asks it or everybody asks to see it. Everyone wants to look at it. Everyone it, that would be the ultimate troll. You give them a watch that nobody's going to stop asking them about, and they can't take it off. They can't sell it. It's stuck on them forever. That's a nice a nice little wrinkle there. I like where you went with that. <laughs> hey, I mean, if, if you really hate somebody, right, you want to kind of give them the subtle. I mean, you're giving a You give them one watch. of the most desirable watches on earth because I hate you. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, you know, it's. It's just a watch that everyone's going to want to see, and it's it's it it kills people. That's funny. You know, initially it's cool, but then you know, after four thousand times, it's like, okay, it's not cool. I'm just not going to wear it anymore. Okay, um, moving on to something more serious. Uh, this one's kind of more directed to you, bro. Uh, so this is kind of a two part question. Have memes become the superior form of watch journalism? It seems as though only unbiased commentary comes from pages like yours and uh, WCJ, etc. I'm assuming, like we talked about before, that uh, WCJ's watches circle jerk. <laughs> yes, I believe so. Yes. Um, well, I mean, in my, in my biased opinion, yes. <laughs> I just think... I don't know. I just think a lot of things you have to take with a grain of salt reading them these days. 
you know, every single person we, we were talking with Zakir not that long ago on the Haim episode, and he, he said it straight. I said, you know, almost everything is pay for play. Almost everything yeah. is everything is an ad in written form. Now, I don't know. I don't know how to get away from this. I've thought about it because I thought it would be a fun project to get into. I, I'm not I'm not web design savvy enough, nor do I have the time with my little kids and everything and trying to put together, uh, you know, some people who I, I would want to work with on this. But being able to put together something where you're just writing opinion pieces and stating ideas and facts as you know them about whether it be, you know, the latest drops, classic watches, popular tropes, whatever it might be. But just to give sort of a candid angle, I feel like it would do so well. I just, there's a lot of tough things to get around there. One, I know you'd constantly have to reiterate that it's clearly just opinion because otherwise people would just come after you and try to sue the balls off you. 100%. Yeah, because... That's that's how industries like this work, right? Especially when they have a lot of money on hand. Yeah. Right. You're talking about about me. Well, we're gonna get a stop to this, and I'm gonna just jam you up in court till you got nothing yeah. left, right? So, Cease and desist, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it, yeah. so by 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 constantly saying, in my opinion, or reiterating that it is your thoughts and not given fact, you can get away with that. Allegedly, I don't. Again, I don't know the ins and outs. I've looked into this. On a very very surface level, but yeah. again, I I don't really have the means to to put this on myself, and I I probably couldn't. Um, but I I think there's a need for it. I I would like there to be more of that objectivity, even if and listen, even if it's even if it's opinions that nobody agrees with, at least they're at least they're genuine. Yeah, you know, what I mean, I'd be down for that. I'm not going to agree with everybody 100 percent of the time. I know nobody agrees with me 100 percent of the time, and I yeah, of course, you accept it's what it is. It's fine also what makes things fun and encourages people to buy and experience different things however just reading the same stuff over and over again and that's why i bag on it all the time all the same verbiage all the same i mean even uh, i think when i was reading that hamilton article and i i came across the part where it gets to 15.22 millimeters thick it's like this watch comes in i can't remember the word they use a, a word that meant like really big but like in a, a way that wasn't so harsh. Mm-hmm. Like it has presence or something at 15.22 millimeters. And then it's like, but it matches the proportions of the case. I'm like, uh, does it? Does it really? Does it? I, you know, I don't know. I haven't held the watch, but it's it's a stretch for me at 42 mils. You know, it's going to be close. Um, But it's stuff like that. It's stuff like that. It, I just, I wish there was more of the just more honest takes and and fresh opinions but you're just not going to get that which is which is unfortunate i feel like yeah. but i guess it's it also keeps me in business so i guess it's all right <laughs> yeah we, but you know i think i think you know part of this question in terms of the answer lends itself to you know as you said earlier things are pay for play you know no matter what whatever you're reading whatever you hear in most cases if it's really mainstream stuff it's going to have some type of paywall behind it whether you see it or you don't and I think, you know, for us, you know, we've really prided ourselves in trying to be removed from that aspect um, as much as we can. I know with your with your, you know, meme page, I mean, it, it's they're jokes. You are a comedian. It just happens to be comedy focused on watches. And I think that 
you know, realistically in the world where, where you can get in so much trouble by the things you say, kind of taking the comedic approach and, and shedding light on things and, and poking fun at everybody, because that's something that you also do very well is you, 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 you pull no punches and you don't hold back on anyone, even if they're your favorite brand. Sure. You know, like I always laugh when you, when you roll on Omega, cause they're like, I know it's true. As an Omega fanboy, I also recognize where we fall short as a brand. You know, like it's just it is what it is. But I also know that you roast Grand Seiko. You know, it's like, the, but you time. do it equally for everybody, and I think that that's kind of the beauty of this as well. And that's where I think that you know, truly, the unbiased commentary does come from that because you're shedding light on things that everyone knows, everyone understands, everyone has seen, but they don't really like to admit it out loud. And that is exactly what comedy and that's exactly what what memes and, and, and you know, your page really do for, for the industry. I think it's a snapshot in, in time and in history where we can see that this is a, a poignant point. It's it's interesting. It's funny. It's hilarious. You know, it's hilarious. And it allows us to laugh at something that we also find uh, sometimes too serious. You know, it's it's good that way. Yeah, well, I think that's always kind of what it is, is that we take it seriously and that's why it's funny. Because we we care Absolutely. because we actually do care about it is why it's funny to poke fun at it. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. If nobody if nobody gave a damn, it would just be eh, you know. Yeah. Who cares? So. All right. Um, could Rolex's untouchability lead to its undoing as watch brands and price point multiply? Uh, I'm gonna leave with no. I just think the brand is too strong. I think yeah. they're just they're just too well entrenched in not only just the industry and in, in luxury across the board in all of the circles that are involved in luxury, whether it be you know high end exclusive places like you know the clubs or whatever it might be, or you know the, wherever you see Rolex, tennis, horse racing, uh, golf. You know it's in exclusive places already, and it's never leaving at this point and making it rarer only makes those people want it more. And although it's not accessible to more of the average Joe, they don't really care. They're going to move the product and there's enough people who consider themselves upper echelon who will still chase it. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I think, you know, where, where this might change is, as you mentioned, you got big people, you have people that will constantly seek out the brand they have the the money and the resources to go get it, even if you know the average person can't. Um, so I don't think that's ever going to to lead to its undoing globally as a brand in terms of recognition, in terms of people investing in it. What I think it might do is it might start to turn off people that were looking to get into Rolex and realizing all the all the hoops and 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 problems that they have to jump through in order to be qualified to get one of these pieces. I think that is creating a market of enthusiasts that are looking at other brands, Breitling, Omega, Grand Seiko, you know, all of these offshoots that are in the same price point, but are accessible to people. They're tired of waiting six years or getting on a wait list or having to spend $100,000 just to qualify for a Steel Submariner. They're tired of the games. And I think that those people that are getting fed up with this or people that are you know, completely from the outside who know nothing about watches but know the brand name are surprised. Like, well, what do you mean I can't buy one? I have $20,000 right here. I'll give you the money. Like, no, no, no. You, we'll, we'll add you to a list and we'll call you if it ever comes an 
opportunity to get one. Like that's kind of crappy, you know? And so I don't think it'll ever change its presence as a brand, but what you're going to start changing is the consumers that were willing to give it a shot and they're going to go fall in love with other pieces. So there's a few interesting things here, right? Well, number one, the other day I actually went to, I happened to be in my mall. So I went to, we have a pretty big watch outlet section there. So I went there, there's a Rolex. They had all of your, your hype in the case. They had Daytona, Pepsi. They even had the green lefty. Hmm. And again, all, all signs, you know, just for display. And I'm yeah, just listening, I'm just listening to them just waitlist these these guys who they don't know and i'm like uh you know they'll learn i guess you know because it's like they they sugarcoat it with well when one becomes available i'm like dude good luck bro yeah it's tragic but i also think it's shifting a lot of people to get used rolexes because those are still pretty plentiful and as far as the used rolex market goes I don't know if this is a an indicator of some sort, but just it's coming down. In, yeah. Well, that and just in the in the well, I I did repost something that said, I guess it's a Rolex index, and it's the thirty most popular models or whatever, and it showed the resale and it's way down recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But regardless, um, you know, we did have an episode about that, by the way. Regardless, if you keep up, I I follow a lot of pages that sell vintage watches because I, I'm into that again. I've noticed a lot of them are just flush with Rolex now. Where yeah. before they barely carried them. Yeah. And it's yeah. a lot of date justs and explorers and stuff like that, but it's they have them in in numbers. Absolutely. And I think that's a telling sign. Yeah. I mean, uh, things are becoming much more plentiful. The market is correcting itself from the overhyped crazy, you know, uh Bitcoin era of watch collecting. You know, over the last several years, it's correcting itself and things are going to start coming back to normal when people realize that the prices are way overinflated for some of these pieces because they're just not worth it. You know, $40,000 for a blue Tiffany colored Oyster Perpetual, like get out of here. It's crazy. But that's a that's a story for another time. OK, and f- funny before you move on, uh, you were talking before about how people are looking at other brands, and things like that spiciest thing i've seen in a while that my dude from Watchfinder put out a video the other day saying that he objectively thinks grand seiko is better than rolex i did see that post i didn't watch the video yet i haven't either but i'm just like that is a spicy take my friend yeah 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 that's from a reputable person too yeah people love that guy not from the meme guy that's 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 somebody with some chops yeah so i like I gotta, it i do have to check that out I like it. Okay. Um I want to add I want to answer this one really quickly since somebody asked. Old versus new speedy, worth the upgrade. Yes. 100 percent yes. Um thirty eight sixty one caliber versus the eighteen sixty one caliber. It's drastically different. Um it winds, sets, you know, operates exactly the same way as the old eighteen sixty one, but it hacks it's got coaxial escapement. It's got silicon hairspring. It's got anti-magnetic technology. It is a far better and more improved Speedmaster than it ever was before. Superior um, bracelet. It's yeah, it's a superior bracelet. I mean, the vintage styling cues alone are are are, are drastically different comparatively between the old and the new. Um, so if you have 
if you have the cash or or you're considering getting a new one over the old one, uh, I would 100% do it. Um, the only stipulation that, that you have to deal with now is just the price. Um, the price is much more expensive for a new Speedy than it, than it was for an old one. But, you know, given the world of watch collecting, I think $7,500 or $7,400, whatever it is now, is certainly worth the price for a Sapphire Speedmaster. Totally worth it. So, uh, 100%, yes. Um, tips for traveling with watches, bro. I know we did an episode on this. Yeah, I mean, I for me, I think it's just keep it simple. I think it's bring minimal. Uh, bring things you're not insanely attached to, unless you're hell-bent on making a memory with a specific watch. Yeah. Bring things you're not terribly attached to and just have fun. Don't yeah. let that dictate your trip. Like, don't overthink it. You don't need to think this hard. Just enjoy your vacation. Bring a watch you like and bring a watch you either have insured or you're not going to care about losing. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And and the other thing, too, is don't make yourself a target. Right. I, I think a lot of times we we sometimes don't realize how touristy we look yeah. when we travel. You know, um, typically when watches go missing, it's because people stop them. They're asking for directions or they're trying to do. Uh, something that's confusing, speaking a different language to, to throw you off your game to get you not to pay attention and they're going to lift your watch right off your wrist, right? Or they're going to get you in a compromised situation where you have to give it to them. So just be low-key, you know, make sure you're not wearing something that's overly flashy, uh, something that's very simple. Or if you are going to do that, wear it on your person, like in a backpack or something like that until you get to the area where you know it's a little bit safer that you can wear that watch, Right. Maybe I don't wear my Pepsi GMT walking around dark city streets in London. Maybe I, I keep it on my backpack and I wear something else. And if somebody comes and rolls up on me, then I give them something different. You know, there are other ways to do it. Or as you mentioned, just don't take the crazy expensive stuff that you don't want to lose, especially in places that you know are a little bit more crime ridden. Simple. Yep. Um... Okay, so would love coverage on the stainless steel Aquanaut and whether it's overhyped or worth it. At secondary prices? No. Nah. That's it. That's <laughs> I don't, all you have to know. I don't think it's worth it at all. No. I, I, I like the Aquanaut. It's just it's not something I would I would consider chasing at the price. I, I will say this. Ten years ago, nobody gave a crap about the Aquanaut. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. It was the paddock that you could walk into any paddock dealer and buy because nobody wanted it. And it was only when the 5711 became too crazy desirable where you couldn't get one that people started looking for other steel options that were at, were that were an alternative and the Aquanaut became popular. But that's it. When it first came out, everyone hated it. Nobody wanted it. It was considered the poor man's Aquanaut or the poor man's paddock. So I think it's certainly overhyped. I know it's desirable. I know it's collectible. So don't let me dissuade you from getting one if that is something that you truly want. Uh, but for me, it's never anything that would cross my 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 collection. There are so many other stainless steel sport watches I would rather have than that. That's my thing is you can do so much with that money. Yeah. I mean, come on. And it's on a rubber strap, guys. Let's be honest. And I'll say this. Yeah, it comes on a bracelet. The bracelet is trash. People like it looks horrible. It looks horrible. It, the Aquanet should only ever be on rubber. But even still, it's like it's a paddock with a rubber strap, guys. Come on. Okay. Um, 
Let's see how many more we can get through here. Da, 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 da. We know Bro is a culinary artist. I know this is a stretch. What does Schmidt do now? If you haven't put it together by now, he's clearly a wetworks guy. Yes. Constantly traveling, goes under a moniker. We're never too specific. He's an assassin. That's it. Hey, I've been known to be a man of many skills. I'll just leave it at that. Um. Okay. Uh, is there really such thing as advice on what you're chasing or just do you? Uh, you know, I don't, I've learned everybody's different. You can't really take people's advice. And anytime I've looked at people's advice, it's always been sort of a generic, more umbrella type statement about collecting and, while it applies to most watches, it definitely doesn't apply apply to all of them. And so I've learned to kind of just drown that noise out a little bit. Um, not to say you shouldn't take advice. I would just say you take it into consideration as opposed to taking it as gospel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, it's your watch, your wrist, and it's going to be your regret if you don't like it. So, um, you know, if you really are dead set on that Aquanaut and you got the money to burn, go for it. But you know, yeah. again, you asked. I told you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the same thing for me. Like, if you really are looking for something and that's what you want, then, hey, you know, maybe you get somebody's opinion on if it's the right piece. But if it's something that you truly want, don't let anybody tell you not to get it. Go get it. Experience it for yourself. And if you don't like it, move it on. It's that simple. You know? But you'll never know if you really like something or don't like it until you experience it for yourself. And if it's not the right thing, then hey, you know, show it the door. Uh, why don't more brands have spring adjustments on clasps like the Pelagos? Because it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say because of it, it's expensive, but also um, it requires a lot of R&D. That's a what lot I was going to say. It's uh, manpower. Of, uh, yeah, exactly. It's ours. It's more than anything. It's ours. Hours it's of work. It's design. It's R&D. It's also making sure things don't fail. Okay. Sometimes something as simple as a clasp, you know, we see the finished product and we're like, oh, this was a genius idea. That clasp could have taken two years of R&D and CAD and, and development and industrialization and testing and prototyping for that to be industrialized, you know, and maybe it's sometimes too expensive or not worth it to do. And as a brand, you also have to take into consideration, what if it fails? How do I fix it? Is it easy to fix in service? What if it scales on, uh, fails on a large scale? Exactly. Ouch. So I think that there's too many risks potentially uh, to to for most brands to get in to do something like that. That's just a real answer. Um. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, can you talk about your personal collections or what you like about them? Hmm. Well, no surprise here. It's going to be heavy on Seiko. <laughs> as if mine is heavy on omega yeah so i've got some old some new and i've got some other stuff peppered in i've got some omega peppered in i've got some uh i've, I've got my i've got my one grand sake one like i've said I, I don't think i'm gonna go much beyond that because the prices nowadays are just insane even though i yeah. really like a lot of their new stuff i just can't really justify putting that much into another grand seiko mm-hmm mm -hmm. Uh, I have a lot of fun watches. I got some Timex. I've got a couple Casios. I've got uh, 
Can't lie. Just a lot of Seikos. But kind of the way I <laughs> the way I run it though is I, I kind of pick and choose because they do so much back catalog mining that yeah. I kind of I kind of strategically pick and choose which ones I will buy in their newer form and which ones I will buy in their older form. And part of yeah. that is how hard they are to find. Part of that is if the newer one really has better upgrades or mm-hmm. better wearability, things like that. So I kind of just mix it up. Like I have uh, I have a the green willard which is new. Yeah. I have a slim Willard, which is old in the, the black format. It's just okay. a matter of, uh, but the, again, those are two totally different cases that one of them kind of yeah. has the, the big bump around the crown guards. One of them does. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And you know, again, I, I, I also, I like, for example, I, I picked the slim Willard as an alternative to the, you know, 6309s and stuff, because those get a, those are very hot and B those are often very messed with. Yeah, you know, so a more obscure. Well, they were, reference. they were, they were, they were beat to hell. So yes, that like, too. They, those were watches yeah. that were worn. So you yeah. know, you, you can still find them in pretty good condition and in plentiful numbers, but the value on them has gone way up. And so yeah. I, I thought a less obscure, a more obscure should, reference should, would be. We should have got one like ten years ago. Yeah, exactly. When I was looking at them, and I was like, oh, these. I was like, if. Nobody's going to love I'll put it these. this way. Yeah. At, at, <laughs> at that time, it was Rolex will always be there. So that's where the thought process was. So yeah. don't even talk to me about a old turtle. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Ugh. Um. So for me, again, it's Heavy Omega. I do have some esoteric stuff sprinkled in as Bro does. Um. I got some Doxa that I really do love. It's one of my favorite brands outside of outside of Omega. Uh, some other things that are you know hit or miss kind of here and there. Nothing too crazy. Some Timex, uh, Hamilton, Seiko. You know, there's there's always a bunch of stuff. There's nothing that's super crazy or or anything that's uh, that you guys already haven't heard me talk about. Um, so that's kind of where it is. But you know, like bro, I like to have a collection that is pretty well rounded in, into what I want. I collect what I want. Um, if I don't like something, then then I usually just give it away uh, to somebody that I think could could benefit for it or from it, or somebody that I am looking to maybe help get into watches. Um, you know, for me, that's always a kind of a pay pay it forward type situation. So uh, I'm always willing to do that. But it's uh yeah, pretty simple, nothing crazy. I do think it's neat though. Like I'm not I'm not a gigantic micro brand person, but I do think it's neat to have a watch. When you can yeah. say, "Oh yeah, I, I know the I know the guy who makes these," well, <laughs> right? Like I'm, I'm buddies. I got a brew watch. I know I'm, this I'm, guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm friends with the owner of the company. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of that, there is a question that that does ask us here: favorite independent or uh, favorite independent or micro brand? See, that's tough because you're gonna put two ends of the spectrum together, <laughs> right? You're gonna really put like H Moser and like Brew. I mean, you know answer it however you want to i know my answer hmm. all right what's yours i love nomos to me that is my favorite like independent micro brand again it's probably a little bit more larger scale now than like your traditional micro brands but for me it's an independent i've always had a big respect for what they do i never know who owns who does anybody own Langa? they're part of uh they're part of richemont did you see they might be getting acquired Longa by no Richemont by who LVMH. Shut up! Are you serious? Word of God! 
Oh, that's going to be horrible. That'll be a disaster. I mean, just to give you any indication, if if you look at Tiffany now after LVMH acquired them, that's not going to be good for Richemont. Wow. I will say that. Tiffany is not the same company that it was prior to, to LVMH's uh, acquiring of it. They're trying to be super trendy, and it's it. I don't think it's working out for them very well. Yeah, I don't know. I guess for me, somebody like an H Moser comes to mind, just because especially their their trolley nature is always really good. Yeah, see, and that resonates with you because it's like they also are like the comedians of the right. watch world. Like they they know also to not take themselves too seriously. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, cheese watch. Come on, it, yeah. <laughs> made of cheese the most swiss watch ever swiss yes. cow's milk made the swiss cheese and yeah it's crazy um okay last big question then we'll we'll wrap it up um what is your dream watch from any brand if you were the designer what would you make who this is such a tough question i but know they, it is but in in and this is what i was talking about before is I have a list of dream watches and like some of them are just on there. I feel like because they're hard to get. And like, as you mentioned, the 1655, like not mm -hmm. only is it a cool watch, but it's impossible to get. So like it, it feels like it gets extra like pushed to the top. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But again, yeah, I, I, I always think about things that are, are not only hard to attain, but also sort of special in that way. Like I was talking about with the vintage idea, which is like why I'm always intrigued by like, marine national tutors and stuff like yeah that were actually worn like that would be nuts obviously but my dream watch um i don't know i i mean i guess if you if you gave me the the gen one blue pelagos in more of a gen two case and everything that might work um maybe something like a really specked out 62 moss in grand seiko that's not you know huge mm -hmm, be a big mm -hmm. one for me that would be i think that might be really cool actually yeah give me that give me a grand seiko 62 moss that doesn't suck and uh i'll just put it to bed <laughs> okay so let me let me say this i'm gonna give you my dream watch and then i'll give you a watch that, that i would like to see designed so first off, my dream watch from any brand. Um, this is an impossible watch to get. It's in a private collection. It went for $4.6 million. Uh, but this is the Daniels, made by George Daniels, Space Traveler. This is a pocket watch that does sidereal time, solar time. Uh, it has a coaxial escape that was invented by Daniels in the mid-1970s. Um, phase of the moon, equation of time indications. Like This is oh. an incredible timepiece. And he made it around 1982. It was made, you know, by him exclusively, um, and it's just an absolute pinnacle of traditional classic British watchmaking. And George Daniels holds a special part, you know, place in my heart, um, just because of his skill and his caliber of of the watchmaker that he was, but also that he gave the world coaxial, which, as you guys know, was adopted um, by Omega and used basically since the late 90s. An amazing, an amazing watch. Um, this to me is is grail status. If I couldn't have anything like this, which we know I can't, 
you know, I'd also sell from something from Roger Smith, you know, his, his understudy and his apprentice. I think that would be very cool uh, to have a Smith or a Daniels timepiece in, in my collection. That would be pinnacle for me. Um, something I would design. Uh, hmm. I know we've already touched on 300 meter diver GMT before, but um, one thing that I would really love to, to see come to fruition is I would love Omega to make a new ceramic 300 meter, kind of like the black, black one that they did. But you know, the night diver motif has been very popular recently. Yes. I would love them to make a 300 meter ceramic diver with laser engraved waves on the dial. And then I would love to see the waves backfilled with superluminova to give the night diver aesthetic, but the waves of the sea master would actually glow. That would be interesting. So you get alternating glowing waves. Yeah. I like it. I think it'd be a cool riff on the night diver aesthetic, but it would be also quintessentially Omega. Well, now that you, you know? can color loom any color you want, you can make it blend in with the dial. You could do anything. So it wouldn't look trashy once, like if the loom starts to age or if like in weird lighting, because it would be the same color anyway. Like where it's the dial itself is just black. Right. And you have like orange loom or yes. red loom or blue loom, whatever you want. And then boom, it just goes. I like that. I just think it would be sick. So you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very cool if it ever came to light. So there you go. That's what I would design. Nice. That's that was a good one. That was well thought out. I think that that's that's it. All right then. Anything else on your end? No, no. I think that's it. Um, until next week. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for your submission. Uh, appreciate the questions, and uh, hopefully, uh, you guys heard all your questions here. So thank you so much. If we missed any, we're sorry. Time constraints. But uh, we love you guys. We'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.